0: Hey, how's it going? It's your man, Christopher the Ruple, And if you're hearing this, you're probably like, oh, wait, why, why is there a weird intro here? Well, uh, before Drunken Book Club became what it is now, where we get drunk, talk about kids' books and other such things, the original Drunken Book Club was this style and format, where I used to read, like, almost like five books, like three to five books in a month, and I wanted to talk about them, but I was very... What's the word? Uh, shy didn't think I was like smart enough to actually talk about these books without getting drunk first and having a jovial time about it. So this is where the this incarnation of drunken book club is. There's about a couple handfuls of the handful uh, of, of, of these episodes. I think they're fun. I did not want to get rid of them when we became drunken book club originally speaking of which. Um, so here it is enjoy and these are the new socials dbc underscore pod for the twitter account and our new patreon is patreon.com slash drunken book club think about supporting us it it may uh improve further stuff yada 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 okay uh bye Hello and welcome back to Drunken Book Club Volume 6. Um, I'm not drunk this time around. What happened was the one that I recorded before didn't come out the way I wanted it to and when I've re-recorded it out of like anger and frustration while being drunk I've noticed it does not come out as good as I like it so I'm gonna try a not so drunken book club but I'm still gonna call it Drunken Book Club because it's that's, that's just what it's called you know i'm recording this actually very early in the morning so that's kind of fun i'm actually drinking a coffee at the moment uh if you want to know how i like my coffee it's uh one thing of fake sugar they do yellow ones i i use flake Splenda because i'm cheap and i get the generic kind and i do about 10 ounces on the keurig with whatever we've got that has caffeine and i do about a almost a half and half like i do about Mo- mostly coffee and then a little like the rest of it filled to the top with almond milk or whatever like sweet milk we have we usually we're gonna we're gonna try out wheat milk soon so hopefully that one goes good with my coffee um i know we're we're very me and Sam are very hippie dippy oh damn hippie tapes we don't we care about nature and you know i'm not a big fan of milk that's what i, I kind of like almond milk and that stuff like i like sweet milk So, it works out fine for me, because I, it's kind of what I prefer. Ooh, someone's getting an amber lamps. I wonder if that's picking up. (laughs) I just assume certain sounds get picked up. Also, I'm going to apologize if you hear, like, or anything like that. Um, I am recording this on a Friday morning, which means that the... The groundskeepers uh, at my apartment complex work on Friday morning, so that is my big warning for that and also a lot of tweeting birds because this side of the building is very shady and the birds like the shade early in the morning so they can roost and have a good time. So apologies up front on this not so drunken book club <laughs> So on this episode I read quote unquote read five books. I read two of the Legend of Dritz books, Homeland and Exile. I read Legion by William Peter Blatty. Oh yeah, those are by R.A. Salvatore. I read the uh, Fear Street Cheerleaders, The First Evil by R.L. Stein, And I wrap up the whole thing with Springfield Confidential by Mike Reese and Matthew Kickstein. Um, let's get started. Let's, let's get started with the, the Legend of Dritz books because I didn't read those back to back, but I'm gonna just talk about them and like kind of just a, a a morph into one thing just to make it easier on myself and not to be like, all right, we're gonna take a break and talk about Legion in another book and then we're gonna finish up with this one. No, no. We're gonna talk about Legend of Dritz first. So what is Legend of Dritz? For people who aren't familiar with D&D, Dritz is a drow elf. What's a drow elf, you may be asking if you're not familiar with D&D you get again. A drow elf is a dark elf. They live underground And they're very evil creatures literally if you think of an elf from like lord of the rings dye them black and bleach their hair and make them evil that that's a draw elf that's the nicest way of putting it but dritz is different dritz is actually a if i'm not mistaken i think he's chaotic good don't quote me on that i i don't know his true alignment (laughs) i'm pretty sure he's he's chaotic good but the legend of dritz follows the character of dritz Pretty much, it's his origin story, because he actually started out in another book, The Crystal Shards, I think is what it's called, by R.A. Salvatore. And this is, and people were like, oh, we love dritz, we want more dritz, 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 Mania!" just, like, took over America in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, it, it made no sense to me. Like, what? Dritz Dritzt. I don't know, how do you his name okay you spell dritz with d-r-i-z-z-t so is it dritz or dritz Dr- dritz legend of dritz you know saying these weird ass fantasy names makes you just appreciate ha- uh, half orcs and goblins and stuff because they're just direct you know good manly names I- i'd say like vorka or kagak or Susie sue and the banshees uh pause for laughter um, but no, Dritz is a very interesting. Uh, the Legend of Dritz, at least, it's a very interesting story. The first book, Homeland, literally goes into very in depthly about um, the homeland, of one of the many cities under of the Underdark. Don't know what the Underdark is. It's literally underground, very deep underground. There's no lights, and mostly evil creatures live down here, huh? I think they changed this later on, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, the first Nebli aren't that bad. The Deep Gnomes, as we as we see in um, in uh, Exile. But I digress. Until then, so we we really do see in perspective what the Drow Society is. It's a lot of backstabbing. It's a lot of you know we gotta be on top, and but you also have to be very uh, stealthy about it because you can't just go up to somebody on the streets and just stab them and be like, I have your house now. I'm now in charge of your house. No, you have. If you're gonna take out a whole family of royals, you have to do it stealthily. You have, I mean, somewhat stealthily. Like you can have people know who it is, but you have to make sure you kill all the nobles, and you have to, you know, do it without people, you know, without without losing, pretty much. (laughs) It's 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 an interesting concept. It's very. I don't know. It's, it's a nice way so you don't get backstabbed, I guess, in the future, which, oh, it turns pretty much, this book opens up with uh, Dritzit's family, the Dwardens, D- Dwardens, Dwardens, there's no Z in there, attacking another house so they can become the ninth house of... Or actually, they're taken down because they, they take it down another house because they lose favor with Loith, the spider demon queen. Man, this sounds fucking crazy when I say it out loud. <laughs> and it's 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 pretty much going through his life of, like, literally he was going to be sacrificed at birth, but because his oldest brother got killed by his uh, the, the middle child, and then he became the eldest brother, eldest boy of the house. So, Dritz didn't get sacrificed, he gets to live his life. Of pretty much being a... Let's just stay up front. He's kind of a Gary Stew Or Mary Sue. Whatever you like to call them. I like to say Gary Stew when it's a boy. and Mary Sue for for girls. But yeah. Dritz is a Mary Sue that you can't help but really like though. Because you know what? Everyone else in these books are fucking dickheads. Even even Zach Nafian. His father and uh, role model... Who he doesn't know as his father until way later on. <laughs> you know, a bunch of drama fun stuff. Um, Like, everyone's kind of an asshole, but it works out really well. To, like, the Gary, Gary Stu that is Dritz in the first book. He definitely does change a lot in this next one. But how is he Gary Sue? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, I need to look up what a Mary Sue is real quick. To make sure that I'm getting that right. So, what a Mary Sue is if for those who don't know. It's a term used to describe a fictional character, usually female, which... Fuck off with that crap. It's a very sexist term, I know. But I usually only use it for males, mostly nowadays. Who is seen as too perfect and almost boring for lack of flaws. Originally written as an idolized version of an author in fanfiction. I think that's... I think Dritz kind of counts as a Gary Stew because he doesn't really have that many flaws. Like, you know what his biggest flaw is? he's freaking oh god why am i forgetting the word all of a sudden he is super ignorant that's his biggest that's his biggest flaw is that he's very ignorant especially in the early in the first book just how ignorant he is of just like he thinks that zach Nifian, his father figure enjoys killing Drows because he likes killing for no other reason even though it's like dritz finds out he doesn't like killing either especially you know good at well, g- he doesn't like killing without necessary means you know because he killed hook horrors on like a mission with his like during his school years and they were supposed to kill these hook horrors because they're about to kill a noble born child but then they find out that the child was not noble born it was just a random kid off the street pretty much and he's like we killed these hook horrors for nothing and this kid was sacrificed for nothing and, you know, that that's kind of his first kind of step of, like, I fucking hate these people, but I don't know where else to go because when you live in such a small little area. It's it's a very, you can almost say it's very symbolic of, like, people from small towns, you know, where it's like you're stuck there even with the hateful people who might be living there whose opinions you don't really agree with. It You can really make that metaphor, you know, between the two personally i can i live in tucson great state great great state great city not so great state <laughs> take that arizona take that in all fairness like what's it called it, it, it's hard to it's hard to not think of him as a gary stew though throughout these books cuz like he's literally perfect like okay he'll get hurt every now and then but he'll still keep fighting and it's just like it's kind of ridiculous but if the books weren't written so well i would probably have put it down and been like I'm really tired of this shit and maybe it's because you know i like fantasy books especially when they're like just badass you know like i'm worried with the i'm i'm currently writing a fantasy book i'm really worried that my character is going to come off as a gary stew but i don't i don't think he will i i'm hoping that i'm able to work around like work it so he doesn't seem that way but he's gonna set, he's still gonna end up a Gary fucking Sue. Like no matter what, everyone's gonna call your character a Gary Sue or a Mary Sue, even if they're like clearly flawed. You know, I was about to say, like I mean, you look at fucking movies like Harley Quinn and freaking, uh Captain Marvel, you know, and they'll always be like, oh Mary Sue, Mary Sue, Mary Sue. But I'm getting way off topic with Mary Sueing. I need to actually have a girl on here, Sam probably, to talk about the controversies of Mary Sues and stuff like that. I. I don't like using the term except for boys, because you know what, take boy, take man down a peg. I said it. So, in the end, I don't really want to spoil anything. Just I, I do rec- recommend these if you're interested in fantasy novels. I, I don't know, like I do and I don't recommend this. Like how I was saying, you know, if you if you don't mind the Gary Stewness, I recommend it, because the world is very well constructed. And makes you just want to keep reading and learn more about Drow society. And hell, even the even the side characters of his uh, four siblings and his mother, Matron Malice. You know. Hmm. I wonder who the bad guy is. Is it Matron Malice? <laughs> um, <laughs> is it the character who na- whose name means bad? Oh, I don't know, Davy. Did people just not know what malice meant back in like 1989 or 1990 when these books were written? <laughs> um, what is it bad of me to make fun of certain names? I I, sh- I shouldn't talk. I, I literally am like, I, I can't talk when it comes to names, name structures and stuff. I, I, I mixed it with names too that are right on the nose. And I, I only hope people don't know what the word is. Until like I tell them to be like Alright look it up And you'll be like It's it's that shush, 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 shush. Why am I so distracted Cause I'm on coffee and biscuits So the next one Exile Gosh I don't really want to get into it Because well Even I mean I guess If you look at the title It pretty much gives away What happens at the end of the book He's exiled in the first one Quote unquote he's exiled He's not really exiled I'll just say that up front But I don't want to ruin anything And it's pretty much him Living in the Underdark slowly losing his mind and like even like considering going back to Menzo Baranzen even though he knows he won't be welcome back and shit like that and you know it's it's his adventures of trying to keep his sanity eventually getting that sanity back and then like not wanting to revert back to this like hunter this killer you know I mean, it's a very interesting book I'll say it up front it's it's a book that uses memories as a good as a good um Oh my god, why am I forgetting? I'm forgetting all my literary terms. This is why I shouldn't drink coffee until I write my notes down. <laughs> I have a million and one ideas and things I want to talk about, but I can't. Yeah, you really shouldn't talk about these books unless other people have read them. So I am going to read the next one next month. I might just be like, yay or nay it, and see if it's worth reading. And I'm just going to say, yay or naying with finishing the second book, yay. Go ahead and just read the first two. If you're interested in fantasy books that aren't J.R.R. Tolkien, and want something that's D&D related, I recommend these ones. Check them out. Check them out. Check them out. Check check them out. Alright, so the next book I read was Fear Street Cheaters, The First Evil by R.L. Stein. I didn't finish this one. I made it to page 93, chapter 14. I was getting sick and tired of all the characters. They're either insufferable bitches or boring as all hell. I wanted to like it, but it was just too boring to finish. it really goes to show that, like, after reading something as good as the Pig Man and trying to go back and reading another young adult fiction book by Arl Stein, just makes you really put into perspective how kind of shitty Arl Stein's writing is compared to other other young adult writers. like it, it's crazy when I'm re- like when I put it in perspective, you know, just how bland and boring they are. Like you can make them. Likeable and relatable, you know. And then, you know, that's the thing. Like, this is something that has always bugged me with like horror franchises, mostly slashers, and like especially young adult books and just the writing of Stein is that a lot of people don't seem to get. You should make these characters likable, so when they get killed, you actually feel an emotional, like you want to feel an emotion emotional attachment before they die. So you can feel like, oh my god, they just died. I you know, you feel something for the book, you know? I feel like J.R.R. Tolkien not J.R. Tolkien, oh my god. It's it's the other one with with, with letters and a name. Uh George R.R. Martin. Different R's. <laughs> different first name. Still has two Rs. But George R.R. Martin, how he will kill off characters like without a fucking blink of an eye, and these are characters whether you like them or not. They'll end up being killed. That's something I've really enjoyed. Hell, even Dritz did that really well in like two of the books bu- in, in both the books. There's two super impactful deaths in each there's an impactful death in each book. Oh, except for the, the second one. There's a there's a there's a killing spree that happens in that one. But that one I I will not talk about, because you know what? You should read it yourself, because it's pretty damn good. But no, like R.L. Stein writes in the perspective of Writes, like, a fucking slasher writer of, like, I'm gonna make these characters as unlikable as possible, so when they die, you don't care. And it's like, fuck off! I want to, I want to enjoy the book still, or enjoy the movie. Mm, that goes to slashers. You know, it works in, in the medium of movies, because a slasher movie is, like, only an hour and a half of your time. it it, 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 it's not a waste of your, it's not a whole waste of, like, an afternoon. It's literally hour 30 minutes. I, I really hated these characters. But you know what? I'm glad they died. Because, you know what? They were insufferable. And I'm glad the virgin or whatever survived. And I'm glad, or I'm happy to see that the slasher got to live again and see another day. Yada, yada, yada. You know, twist endings, whatever. But when it comes to reading a book with that kind of, like, mindset... You have to think for a second. Why am I going to continue reading if I don't like these characters? I'm going to be spending, you know, usually, gosh, an R.L. Stein book usually takes me about three hours to finish if I'm just like, if I'm really gearing with it, like just sitting there and just reading it. I was about to say, I mean, I made it page 93 within like an hour, hour and a half. So, you know. Take it as you will. That, that That's not even like the halfway point. It's like a little bit further than the halfway point. But like, I was just like, I don't know. I don't want to continue wasting my time reading this if I don't like the characters. And like, yeah, sure, they'll die. But I'm like, should we really be rooting for teenage girl deaths if they're not really like, if, if I don't get to see how they die? I, I'm going to just clarify that. I don't mind killings in movies and stuff i love violence i'll i'll be i'd be a fucking liar but in the fictional sense but like when you're giving me kind of a realistic setting and just giving me deaths that aren't like i didn't even get to the death scenes that's that's how boring this book was like 93 pages in we get one death and the death isn't even that good and it's not even a real death you know that's how fucking shitty it is oh i am going way too on too long into this one into a shitty fucking book, but like, it, we need to oh God, I don't like that. That's kind of how I felt with with the last Arl Stein book I read, The Beach House, where it's like I didn't like. I was pissy, but I finished it because I at least kind of liked the characters. You know, they didn't seem as boring as they are in this one. This one, they're just straight up dull ass shit. This is dole whip right here. Achi machi I crack myself up. No, I don't. Oh. Uh, but, no. This is just... Bland, boring. Like, I... At the top of my head, I think I can name one character... Bobby. That's the only character's name I remember. I think that's the, the girl who becomes the main character in the story. But I'm not even 100% sure about that, even. Because, like... That could be wrong for all I know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. You don't remember. Uh, do I wish I had read it? Mm, a little. I kind of wish I finished it see how the death scenes were. I've heard they get kind of, like, range from pretty brutal to whatever. Like, I think a girl literally gets scalded in a showers and dies, and that's, like, it's kind of a brutal death scene right there. That's the only one I think I know of at the top of my head. But it's, like it's just teenage drama without the without the the, 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 the the payoff you know there's no payoff you know it, it, I mean at least 93 pages in there's no payoff like I think I've said this before in our other allstein books like are on not on the podcast but I've said to myself like when it comes down to it it needs to focus on like a singular main character who is your who's your cypher who's the person you put yourself into i don't think i'm using that term right still but no it's that character you want to put yourself into because they're you know they're kind of bland they're kind of simple but at the same time you want to put a world where there's characters who are interesting that make you go oh neat and stuff like that you know you want to be like i like this character i want to be like this character but at the same time i kind of wish i was friends with these other people though that's, that's where I kind of see it. it. It's like, I want to see more... Int- like, th- And like, that's the problem with this one. There's no one interesting. They're all sassy little bitches who hate each other. But, God, th- and this is the only book I have with me on the couch that I read. I- I'm actually going to sit down and read one of the next books. Uh, which is related to... Uh, RuPles Rupees for next month, possibly. It, it really depends if uh, one of my friends... Uh, shout out to... I don't know if he wants me to say his name or refer to him as his name on Twitter. I don't know anymore with certain people. I'll ask him next time. <laughs> uh, but we're thinking about doing an episode on a specific video game series uh, for RuPaul's Rupees. We're gonna, I'm actually planning on doing two next month, so stay tuned for that. Be excited. Be very excited. But yeah, cheerleaders, pass. So the next book I read was Legion by William Peter Blatty. Which, it, it's kind of funny when I think about it, because wasn't The Exorcist one of the first books I actually read on a Drunken book club? I'm pretty positive it was the first, it was one of the first ones, because I remember I, I I read that, and Noozumaki, and a couple others that I wanted to, I think I read Congo as well in there, I don't remember. I'm looking at the shelf and I'm like, I don't remember. But yeah, I think Exorcist was one of the first episodes of of drunken book club and it's a sequel to it's it's a sequel that's like, like i don't know how to explain it because it's like you don't go back with reagan and them you're actually going with the detective kinderman from the first book which i i think i talked about very briefly of like i really enjoyed the detective scenes but he's his his talking went on and on and on but and it was he's was just a funny character and you know it's kind of a continuation from his his life like i think 15 years later is what they say 10 or 15 years later and legion it's less of a horror novel and more of a detective novel there are some scary moments but it's more of a detective book Uh, we follow kinderman as he tries to solve the mystery of the new gemini killings which were not referenced in the first book but they are referenced to or they tell you about them in this one and pretty much it's the zodiac killer that's that's what the gemini is kind of referencing it's 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 pretty obvious it's making reference to that even though i don't think did the zodiac ever leave like zodiac signs i, I yeah you know, i need to read more about the zodiac killer i don't know shit about him about them it's them because we don't know if the boy or a man or a woman a lot of people think it's a guy but it could be a woman we don't know hmm? see we don't know you're not the fucking detective on this shit Fuck you, motherfucker. But no, I think, you know, I might try to find a Zodiac Killer book. I'm kind of interested now that, after reading this, after reading Gemini Killer, or, this is Gemini Killer, Legion. But no, all in all, it's a good book, but it leaves you kind of wanting it to be scarier. Because I remember reading Exorcism being so unsettled and so, like, holy shit. You know, this is more of a thriller than anything. Because, like, certain moments you're just, like, you're reading about, like, how someone might be getting killed soon, and you're just like, oh, shit, oh, shit, gotta keep reading. Oh, (gasps) whoa! And, like, someone who's actually going through, like, a spiritual kind of guidance thing of, like, talking with spirits and crap. And it's, like, really weird. Like, I'm glad they cut that out of the movie. (laughs) There's, like, a a lot of chapters that I'm glad they cut from the movie. (laughs) But, um, you know what? This one's better left to people who are super fans of The Exorcist and kind of want an actual, like, and, like, you know, they watch the movie, they read the first book, and they're kind of like, where do I go from here, you know? It's like, go to read Legion or watch Exorcist 3. It, it's kind of up to you, you know? Um, it, it really is up to you, kind of thing. But, in all honesty, I'd say watch the movie. Like, this is one of those few times where I'd say, if if you if you really want to re- watch something, I really recommend Legion, just because it's, it's a real, or Exorcist 3 Legion, like, it, it, it's, it's a very good standalone movie, that, like, it does work well if you have seen the first one, because you then are, you're like, oh shit, that's, you know, so-and-so from the first one, you know, because Kinderman never appeared in the first movie, if I remember correctly, like, I think I have to go back and actually watch it, it's, it's, it's been years since I watched The Exorcist, I watched that back in, like, 2010 that was the last time i watched the exorcist i watched it on the big screen holy shit was it scary but i digress i think i said that the last time but yeah like legion i actually watched it literally when i was reading this book i watched the movie because i was like i'm kind of interested to see how they adapted it because it's like how did they get funding for this in my opinion because like this is not your typical Exorcist movie. There's no, in the book, there's no Exorcisms. In the movie, there is an Exorcism performed. So, that's kind of what, one of the weird things. You know, I mean, obviously it's not called Exorcist 2 Legion, for what it's worth. It's just a, if anything, it's more of a spiritual successor to Exorcist, more than a sequel to The Exorcist. Because it's literally just continuing off for the characters, for certain characters. You know, even even the demon from the first book is technically back in this one. You know, because it's Legion, not Pazuzu. The movie used Pazuzu. Did the book use Pazuzu? I don't remember. I'll have to go back and re either re-listen or re-just skim through the book, you know? Uh, But, no, I recommend Legion if you're really into... Especially if you're into detective novels or mysteries. Because, like, I mean, pretty fast you find out who it is kind of thing. But, like, it doesn't leave you wanting to solve the mystery as much as it just... You want to see... How they're going to succeed in the end. Because like... How it ends... It's super abrupt... But it's satisfying. Like... It really makes you go... Really? That's how it ended? But at the same time you're like... I don't see it ending any other way. You know? Like it makes sense for the book how it ended... Versus how the movie ended. Because I really want to see if they made a director's cut of Legion... Or Exorcist 3 Legion... Because, like, I feel like if there was a director's cut, it obviously would have ended in a different way. And then also probably kept in some plot points from the book. Because, like, they, they drop big plot points. Like, the whole Gemini Killer thing is, like, a, a, is a footnote in the movie. But that's a main aspect of this book. Like, you know, compare and contrast. wee Like, I don't know. Like, the horror fan in me loves the ending to Legion, or in Exorcist 3 Legion, but the, the literary subtlety of Legion, the book, I, you know, the literary side of me, you know, I guess the literary critic, I, I, I barely call myself a critic. I, I'm not a critic, I'm just someone who likes to talk about books. But, you know, I, I enjoyed Legion, but it was kind of a tough read. Like, it was not a page-turner. Honestly, left me being, like, once I was done with the chapter, I was kind of thankful. Just because it did go on for a while. But it's still a very interesting book that I recommend to people who are either fans of the Exorcist Three movie. And are kind of like, what the fuck's up with that ending? This book, it, it, it pretty much makes you go, oh shit, so that's what's supposed to be going on. Fuck, that's crazy. Like, I'll say that up front. Like... Read the book if you like the movie but are puzzled by the ending and are like, shouldn't this be somewhat somewhat different? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> so that's it for Legion. I, I recommend it if you're a fan of the movie Exorcist 3 and want to expand on it. Or if you're just a fan of detective or mysteries, it's worth a read. It's definitely worth a read. Um, and time for the last one. Springfield Confidential. It is a nonfiction book written by one of the original writers on The Simpsons, Mike Reese. It goes, it's it's a little, it's like part biography, part talking about how they write the scripts and stuff, part joke book, part just, it's just part really good book, you know, just how much goes into an episode of The Simpsons. I'm going to say it, this was a difficult book to put down. The stories are funny, and it, it, it just seems very, very personable from Mike Reese. You know, there's a lot of personal things of just, like, like it never makes you go, aww, or anything like that. He's he's more of a funny guy than he is an emotional guy, but I gotta go, go with sometimes when he, like, does, like, say certain things, it does make me go, that's super relatable. I, if anything, it's relatable and funny. Not emotionally, but just, just I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, this is a, I'm just gonna say it up front. If you are a Simpsons fan, read this book. It is amazingly well written. It's witty as the show. It's, it's a definite must read. Like I, I know, I just dropped my note card uh, because I was like, I don't need it anymore. I, I literally just want to talk talk about it. Like, sorry, I had to pick up the book because I just wanted to open it up to so like, I'm just gonna open up Springfield Confidential onto a random page and just maybe say something. You know? Here we go. So this is a, a there's actually, oh God, you know, I just want to talk about like, there's, there's all, there, it's a pretty, pretty decent little chapter in there. So, you know, the, the book is structured kind of like how a Simpsons episode is structured. You have the opening credits where he literally just answers a burning question what the book's about. Then there's the act one where it's kind of random nonsense. And that's kind of how the first episode is. It, it kind of ties into the main plot, but it doesn't necessarily have to tie into the main plot. And I love how that's written. You know, it, it gives you a brief history of him, and literally, literally, it's it's the beginning is just, like, early biography bits for him. And then Act 2 is literally the big chunk of the episode, of a Simpsons episode, and this is the big chunk of the book. It's it's literally almost everything in the book is, is in this one, and chapter... Like, like, no, yeah, yeah, legit, like, more than 100 pages, like, 140 pages are dedicated to the, to Act 2 in this one. And this one talks about the writers, the showrunners, the characters, the cast, and just how an episode is, like, is changed throughout, and just meeting the fans and stuff like that. It's, it's really, a, it, it's really a joy to read. And then you have Act 3, which ties the whole thing together. Like a bow, and on this chapter, it kind of it's like kind of a finishing up of his biography bit, and also talking about how doing you know different writing stuff kind of changed him and how it brought him back to Simpsons once again. As as the as the last chapter go or the second last chapter is chapter eighteen, back to the old tire fire, and like it's just the little stories that are in here that are just really nice, like. One of my favorite stories is actually, I I just got to spoil one. It like I don't want to read read too many things in here, but I want to read the John Schwarzwelder one, because John Schwarzwelder, If you're a fan of Simpsons, you know that he's kind of the quiet. He's he's J D Salinger, uh of of the Simpsons. You know he's he's very quiet. He doesn't really talk too much, but this is this is something that really caught my eye. Okay, so. Page fifty eight. If you're if you're uh, a fan of, of of if you have the book, but while John is mostly mostly in in, uh, oh god parentheses, normal. His writing is not. He's responsible for a huge number of truly crazy Simpsons episodes, like the one where Bart gets an elephant, or where Homer becomes a henchman for a Bond villain, or where Marge. Dot dot dot. Well, he never really liked writing for Marge, and he'd often. Quote unquote forget to put Lisa in scripts I can say he might be sexist Uh, But he seemed to be able to effortlessly channel Homer His secret He said Was to write Homer as a big dog An example In one episode Homer is in prison Fun fact I'm not going to read this fun fact Uh, Marge has baked him a cake with a file in it And delivers it to him Homer wolfs it down File and all At this point, Schwarzwelder proposed that a long, pointy object begins to emerge in the back of Homer's pants. We asked him, with some concern. Just to be clear, you're saying that while Homer is talking to Marge, he's slowly shitting in his pants. Schwarzwelder replied in his Gary Cooper-like cadence, Yes, sir. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorite ones. But... It, there's a lot of really good little stories, you know, talking about characters. One of my favorite like little sub chapters is how do we make the show, and it's literally there is twenty three steps from the pitch all the way to the airing of the show, and he goes not super in depth but gives little notes about each one. And there's about a million rewrites. I'm just gonna say that up front. I was about to let's see how many rewrites are in there. So you have the rewrite, the re-rewrite. You have yet another rewrite, so three so far. Um, bu- 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 the animatic rewrite. Uh actually there's two of these that don't count technically. <laughs> um, the color rewrite, so that's five. And and yeah, you have five rewrites in one episode normally. No, like that, that's just basic right there. And that's not even talking about everyone else's like rewrites of the rewrite of the rewrite of the rewrite. There's a lot going into a Simpsons episode, and it kind of blows your mind for a second, you know, of just how much goes into writing for a sitcom like The Simpsons. So, final, final, kind of, final thoughts on Springfield Confidential, because I don't want to spoil this one too much, because, without a doubt, this is a fun book to read. Like I said, it's a page-turner. I read this book in less than a week. I could I had a hard time putting it down. Like, I literally, you know, I read recreationally, I read during my breaks at work, and one time I read I was reading on my break and I was like I, I clocked back in and I was like shh, I mean there's nothing going on. Can I still read? I kept reading. I, I won't I like I, I know that's bad. I shouldn't do that, yada yada yada, but I couldn't help myself. It's it's a page turning phenom uh, not phenomenon, that doesn't make sense. It's a page turner that'll make you go or eat my shorts or aye ay ay. or mm, or I'll be in my room or welcome to good home of the good rule of threes did not apply here should have stopped when I was ahead I didn't learn anything from this book no that's not true I learned plenty I learned that I need more followers on twitter (laughs) oh uh, thank you for joining me this week on drunken book club or not so drunken book club or whatever you want to call this one i'm your host christopher the ruple you can find me on twitter and instagram at the underscore and you'd probably want to prefer i i would re, i would honestly refer you more to the podcast's twitter account at sow underscore podcast that's kind of become my new main account where i shit post and kind of talk crap uh, recently, this morning, I had a breakdown, I recorded this on a Friday, you'll find out, if you look at any of my tweets from a Friday, you'll find out where I had kind of a breakdown tweet. Yeah, I, I'm just furious at certain things that I see, and then people with so many fucking followers, and I'm just like, how do they have this many when they're just gushing, saying stupid shit like this? What the fuck? I post comedy gold, and I get nothing. <laughs> Why? Why? It's because of shit like this, Chris. It's because of the shit like this. Okay, but no, do follow that. And follow everyone else on the podcast. Follow Sam at Berserker Rose. Follow Weiss at Force Left Hander. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram for Sam. And for Weiss, that's Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Juan at Voice of j on Twitter and Instagram and on LinkedIn. And go to his website, voiceofjrovio.com. Not dot net dot com not dot org not dot gov but dot com and hey if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you're subscribed to us on whether you're listening to us on Spotify you're listening to us on on soundcloud iTunes or Google music or Google play, not Google music <laughs> make sure you're subscribed so you're up to date and listening to the newest episodes because I feel like these have been some really Bomb ass episodes we've been doing in the past couple times. Uh, stay tuned. I'm hoping next week we're gonna do a quizzer. I'm thinking we're gonna play some hoopo goo Doo Doo Noo Kind of sad we didn't get to do the Valentine's Day one, but it's okay. We can add some Valentine's Day hoopo goo Doo Doo Noo Noo fun in that one. Uh, stay tuned. Stay relevant. Oh yeah, and follow us on Facebook too. I guess I don't know. Oh, you know what? This is really important, people. I'm not begging for money, but if you want to help out the podcast, even just a little bit, go to patreon.com, speaking of which, it's just very important that that you pitch in some money here and there, even if it's a dollar. We only ask for a little bit of money just once a month, and it helps keep bringing out great content weekly. We do this for free weekly, you know, and it's just, and this money isn't gonna go to me buying cheeseburgers or something stupid like that. I'm actually trying to quit eating mammals, for for uh, just be a little matter factory, factorily. But no, I, am you know, all the money goes to the podcast. You know, eventually I want to save up enough so I can get a mix board, microphones for everybody, including people, including guests, and just you know help with sound quality and other stuff you know give everybody headphones so we can be like yeah what up foos and stuff like that but honestly I feel like that's gonna have to wait until I get uh, until we move out of this apartment because this room's a little too small to be having mics for everybody I'll just say that up front this room is too small for that uh thank you for listening follow us and stuff hey read a book Read a motherfucking book. Not a magazine. I'm not going to say the rest. I can't. Happy Black History Month. Why did I say that? I didn't read anything black history related. I didn't read anything with a black person in it. Legit, even the Simpsons one doesn't have any black people in it. Okay, like for guest stars maybe, but like, oh, Michael Jackson, the biggest fucking, oh, he's he's, he's the number one black star ever. <sighs> i need to read more books with like african-american characters or just black people in general that's what i'm saying not even Af- african-american it they, they could be people of african africa or whatever you know it, you know i i felt i felt jewish shame because i wasn't reading anything with jewish people and now i'm feeling black shame because i'm not reading anything with enough people of color there we go thank you people of color uh I'm not and but you know what? Mostly African American or black, you know? I wanna read more black fiction. And saying it like that makes it sound bad. Doesn't it? But I do wanna read more people of color's work. You know? I need to read more stuff by women also. I I feel like I'm not like I'm I'm kind of in a spot where I'm reading just the normal stuff, but I feel like I need to read I need to really reach out and start picking up books by women books by mexicans and hispanics books or latinos thank you latinx uh books by black people book books by asians not that aren't fucking mangas you know like i feel like i need to broaden my horizons but i need to first like literally shrink down my book corner over there and just just find something new you know i was about to say like I think within this time, I've only read one book that wasn't by a white dude. I think, I think. Like I'm looking at my shelf and I'm like, yeah, that's Honky Central. Like, and I'm not counting comic books because you know what? I I feel like I've I've gotten pretty diverse on there. I I try to be diverse on there. <sighs> And it sucks because the next book I'm reading is... is it's by a by, white by, by, dude. Also, you, uh, if you've stayed with me this long... Alright, I'm just going to give up the, the secret to what next month's Ruble's Rupees are. The next two episodes are going to be based off of...